0: Right, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an unexpected end. I think one modern translation says, I know the thoughts that I have made for you. First of all, uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah means whom Jehovah has appointed. And you know, many times, People, my brothers and sisters have said to me, you know, I'd love to to have a a missionary uh, ministry. I would love to have the gift of healing. I would love to be able to prophesy. I, I would love to be appointed by God. But I was reminded of what Jesus said. He said, you don't know what you're asking. Be careful what you ask for. You see, Jeremiah, because he was appointed of God, he faced difficulties. And if you're appointed of God, you will face opposition because the devil will always smite the shepherd to scatter the flock. And so Jeremiah was indeed not loved in any way, shape, or form. He was definitely recognized as a prophet, but he wasn't loved in any shape or form because he spoke of the judgment upon Judah because of their continual sinning against the Lord. And we can actually read in Jeremiah 27, 1-17, that Jeremiah actually encouraged the people to submit to the Babylonians to avoid further bloodshed. And this did not go down well at all with the people. Uh, It's maybe a bad illustration, but you think of a Republican telling uh, all the Republicans during the troubles in Northern Ireland to submit to the British. Well, that's what Jeremiah was asking them to do, submit to the Babylonians. And that did not go down well. This enemy that had come and taken them from their land, this enemy who had defamed the name of their God, as they saw it. And so because of this, Jeremiah was not a popular man. And in fact, uh, historians tell us that he was under the constant threat of death. They wanted to silence him, and we'll see why in a moment. We know he was called the weeping prophet, and he received many important visions from the Lord. And he was called the weeping prophet because, not because he was a gurn but because he wept for the people of the Lord. He's seen the state, the land was in. Church, are we weeping for this land? You want to know something? We should be. His heart and his love for God and for God's people, and I'm getting emotional talking about this now, but we should be weeping for our land. We should be weeping for our young people. Weeping for our government that God would bring them back. And this is what Jeremiah was doing. So he wasn't a gurn. He was someone with a heart for God. Someone who loved the Lord. Now, in Jeremiah 29, he was sent from Jerusalem unto the, uh, it says in the Word of God, the residue of elders, captives to the priests, to the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this man had a message from the Lord. This man had a message from the God of Israel. They seen themselves as the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They seen themselves as a special people set apart, called apart children of the Lord. And he had a message unto them. He had a message to all those that had been carried away captives. And the Lord said a very interesting thing He said, Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Isn't that, think of that statement, whom I, this is God talking, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. This was in the will and the plan of God for his people. As we know and we'll see, they they had turned their backs on him, worshipped idols, all these things. And you see, the kings and the armies of Babylon, they may have captured them. They may have took them to Babylon boasting of how they have overthrown every god that stood in their way. And they had to listen to this and the humiliation of of being carried away. And I mean, they weren't carried away in nice coaches. 90% of the time they were chained and had to follow the chariots and the wagons of their captors. And they had to uh, suffer this humiliation. But it wasn't the the, the armies and the kings of Babylon that, uh, that did this. This was the way... Of the Lord. And because of this, the people they wanted revenge. If you remember when you are looking at Christ's crucifixion and high, the locals wanted revenge. They wanted the Roman army destroyed. They hated them. They had taken their land off them. They were putting heavy taxes and heavy burdens on them. They were persecuting them. They were restricting their worship for the Lord. And here's the same thing's going on in Jeremiah's day. They wanted revenge. They wanted the Babylonians destroyed. They didn't just want them taken away. They wanted them destroyed, humiliated, defeated, ripped to bits. They wanted this. And there was false prophets back then, and they were telling the people what they wanted to hear. They were telling the people that they were going to return. Now, obviously, we don't know word for word what they were telling them, but you read the commentaries and and, and some of the the writings on this, that they, they were telling them that a God... Who delivered them from Israel, or sorry, from Egypt and brought them to Israel. And, and all these reminding them of the great things God has done. And God brought us through the Red Sea, and God's going to take us. Everything that the people wanted to hear, these false prophets were saying. This was encouraging them, but it was encouraging them in the wrong way. But again, in comes this Gern Jeremiah, this moan. And he tells them. Or he doesn't make himself popular because he told them what the Lord wanted them to hear. And sometimes, church, I say, Lord, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. Amen. Amen. Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. It may not be comfortable, but I want to hear it. It was from God. And what did Jeremiah say? He didn't say that uh, take up arms. He didn't say, stand back and, and watch the deliverance of the Lord. He didn't say, like, Jehoshaphat, let's put the praise team at the front. We'll all walk behind him singing and praising the Lord, and, and the Babylonians will be gone. It won't be like Sennacherib, who woke up and his armies had destroyed themselves, and he went, but he got word about what was going on in his hometown. He had to leave. Nothing like that was going to happen. What did Jeremiah say which offended him? He told him, okay, start building houses start settling in, start living in these houses. And I'm sure they're going, what is he on about? We're in a foreign country. We were given the promised land. It was taken from us by force, and he wants us to build houses where God doesn't want us to be. Not only that, he told them, plant gardens. Eat the fruit from them. In other words, they were to plant plant seeds to, to grow a harvest. They were to take wives. Now, he didn't say they were to take wives from the Babylonians. He said they were to take wives and have families and and see that their children marry and bring forth children. In other words, in captivity, they were not to decrease, they were to increase. They were to live as if it was in a normal life. And, you you know, when you, you think of their mentality of the situation, you can maybe don't agree with, but understand where their anger came from. I'm not building a house here. I'm not planting a field here. My daughters are are not going to be given to any. I want to go back to Israel. And the Lord's going to bring me back to Israel because these prophets over here are telling us they are. And then they were given a strange prayer to pray. Has God ever given you a strange prayer to pray? They were to pray for the city that they were in. They were to pray for the Babylonians, technically. They were to pray for the city they were in because this is where the Lord had brought them. This is what Jeremiah was trying to tell them. This is the words that were falling on deaf ears, on hardened hearts, on those who thought they knew better than God, and those who thought that God was going to do exactly what they wanted them to do. They were to pray. They were to pray for peace. And God says, if you pray for peace, you will have peace. They wanted war. They wanted war. Thank God we've never had to live in an occupied country, but remember reading, test, well, not Christian testimonies, but testimonies of guys who fought in the French, foreign, the French Legion or France Underground, whatever it was, during the World War II, and how they hated the Germans and how they couldn't even walk past them. Such was the hatred they wanted to knife them. And you know, it it couldn't have been any different then. There were human beings back then too. And this man is asking me to pray for him? Well, that's what God was asking him to do. You see, Jeremiah put himself out on his own here. And sometimes God calls his people and they have to go out on their own. They have to go out on their own. And he said something which again would have angered not only the people but the prophets. He said that the Lord wanted them not to let their prophets and their diviners deceive them. They were not to go by their own dreams. I mean, think about this. These false prophets were promising deliverance. They were promising, despite what they had done as a nation, they were promising a return to Jerusalem. These people, because of these false prophets, were having dreams of returning to Jerusalem. You know, not every dream you have is a dream from God or a vision from God. Jeremiah was the only one who said, this is not what the Lord is saying. And again, you can see his enemies getting angry at him here. You know, who does he think he is? We have seven, eight, nine hundred prophets here, all saying we're going back to Jerusalem. One man's telling us we're wrong, we're staying here. But he didn't give in because he knew that he had been chosen by God to bring this message to his people and he was going to bring this message whether they liked it or not. Ask any preacher, someone who preaches regularly. Sometimes God gives you a message and you pause over it. Lord, is this what you really want me to say? Because you know it's not going to go down well. But you know something, you have to say it. Jeremiah had to say it. He had to say it. These dreams they were having of returning to Jerusalem were wrong. These promises from these false prophets, who probably wanted Jeremiah dead, who's he think he is? Let's have a vote. A hundred of us say we're going to Jerusalem. One man says we're we're not. We're staying in Babylon. And Jack Hart always says God should love the world that much that he didn't send a committee. But here's this man on his own. He was the only one who said this is not what the Lord. Is saying, and it's said to tell the truth, sometimes God's servants have to stand alone. We need to understand that it's the same back then as it has been down through time. The Lord always speaks to the shepherd whom He has appointed, not the sheep. You see, the Lord doesn't tell the shepherd, We're going to stay in Babylon, and then tell the sheep, No, you're not, you're going back to Jerusalem. And sheep have to listen to the shepherd whether they like him or not or like her or not. If it's a word from God, they have to listen. He doesn't tell his his servants, we're going to do this and tell the flock, no, no, we're going to do that. Again, Jeremiah, he gives a challenge to those who prophecy prosperity. Because again, he stated that the Lord Warn the people not to let these men, these prophets, these diviners deceive you. And again, these dreams you're having are not from God. You see, false prophets prophesy falsely unto you and they do it in the Lord's name. And Jeremiah later in the chapter talks about the judgment that will come on them because of that. And we have false prophets today and they're telling people everything's okay. They're telling people that just let anyone in the church no matter what they're doing. Certainly let them in the church but tell them to repent. You can't accept their sin just to put bums on seats, excuse the expression. Jeremiah said, the Lord did not send these men. And no preacher wants to stand in a pulpit and speak of another preacher and say, that is not of the Lord. But sometimes you have to, folks. Sometimes you have to. And Jeremiah told them, God did not send these prophets. Jeremiah told them something that no one wanted to hear. They're like the proverbial children with their fingers in their ears shouting at the top of their voice because they don't want to hear what you're saying. But he told them, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Then the Lord will deliver you. Deliverance was coming, certainly. But it was coming in the Lord's time. You're in Babylon because of the sins of the nation. Because children were being sacrificed unto the Lord. The kings were sacrificing their sons to Asheroth and throwing their sons into the flamey furnace of their, their altars. And that was an abomination in God's eyes. They played the drums to try and silence the screams. But you know, their blood cried out unto the Lord and the Lord heard these babies, these children. You don't need to go into it in detail. You've all read the word of God. Their, their, their morals were disgusting. Their sexual practices were Disgusting. In God's eyes. And here's where we get to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Where it's, it says, I know the thoughts I have for you. The things that I have planned for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an unexpected end. But as Peter quoted it several times when he spoke about this, Jeremiah goes on. And he says, Then shall you call upon me, And you shall go and pray unto me. and Listen to this, and I will hearken unto you. In other words, I will hear you. It's okay, sister, come on in. (laughs) You're fine. And I will hearken unto you. Listen to this. And you shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. See, Jeremiah wasn't all doom and gloom. He was telling them, yes, you're going to stay here. (laughs) And the Lord wants you to prosper here, so start building houses, start planting fields, start growing flocks, and God will bless them. And because God blesses you, the Babylonians will be blessed. Don't forget, Potiphar was blessed when Joseph was in his house. Egypt was blessed when Pharaoh was second in command, or when Joseph was second in command to Pharaoh. And the Babylonians were going to be blessed because the blessings of the Lord upon his people would bless those who were keeping them. And then he continues... And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. After seven years, I will seventy years, I will turn away your captivity. So they weren't going to be there forever. But there's generations who sinned, aren't come back to Jerusalem, which we can understand did not go down well. Seventy years. I tried to look at something. There's many different opinions in this, but the lifespan back then, you're very lucky if you made it to fifty. So a lot of them would not be there. 70 years that have been well gone. The generation that burned their children on the idols that did, now disgusting things they did. And he said, I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again to the place whence, and I've underlined it for you, I caused you to to be carried away captive. The judgment was coming upon them. Those that uh, promoted this, those that took part in this, you're not going back to Jerusalem. Oh, but hold on, these prophets here, they're saying we're going back. Jeremiah says, no, you're not. You're reaping what you've sown here. Your children will go back. These children which God has asked you to marry and produce children and your children to produce children, they will go back, but you won't. And then he prophesies against the nation that held them captive. Now, this might have caught their ears, but again, it wasn't when they wanted it. This was in 70 years when God wanted to bring His people back. He stated that the Lord would send upon them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. It says that He will deliver them to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations, whither He had driven them. You see, this is what, they, they wanted to happen to the Babylonians and God was going to do it but not when they wanted it done they wanted to see it done they wanted to stand in the street and watch the Babylonian army being dragged away in chains behind the wagons and behind the chariots God said I will do that but it will not be something that you will see and then the warning comes to the false prophets which also lied to the people They will face judgment. They will be delivered unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And the Bible says, that Jeremiah said to the people, he shall slay them before your eyes. They will see these false prophets being slain by Nebuchadnezzar. Their punishment will be, God will use this ungodly, wicked man, Nebuchadnezzar, to bring his judgment upon those who lied to his people who blasphemed when they talked? That, that they said that they were talking in his name. And then from verse 22, Jeremiah talks about the Lord's judgment on a man called Shemaiah, the nilamite, And the significance of this man was he, he had been appointed, uh, I think it was high priest, if I can remember this right. Uh, and he had promoted all sorts of other people to be priests, and they weren't priests, and they were... Burning, as I say, children and, and worshiping other idols. And, and this is what Jeremiah said concerning this. He said, send all them of the captivity, saying, thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, the Neelamite, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not. And he caused you to trust in a lie. This is a man that, like, that uh, like Jeremiah, had been given a godly position. He was a priest. He was a high priest. And he been given, and he abused that position. And instead of telling people what God wanted them to hear, he was one of the ones that was lying. And he goes into verse 32. And he says, Therefore thus saith the Lord, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite, and his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell upon this people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord. Because he hath thought rebellion against the Lord. And so judgment was going to come on all these false prophets. Judgment in the sense that they were carried away into Babylon had come upon the children of Judah. They were going to stay there for their 70 years. And even then, there would only be a remnant that would return. And so this is what Jeremiah 29 and 11 is all about. It is about encouragement. But it's encouragement in the midst of trouble. It's encouragement that God is in control. It's encouragement to know that even though they turned their backs on God, He didn't turn His back on them. Oh, they were in captivity, not being treated right, but God was watching over them. And God was going to make them prosper if they trusted in Him. And you know, because we see that people today quote Jeremiah 29 and 11 out of context, we're not saying that that verse is irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. It's a very important verse. Excuse me. Amen. I have to stop eating big lunches. (laughs) It's important today. It's not irrelevant. Because it's a verse which brings help to God's people wherever they are. Whether it's in captivity or whether it's freedom, God will bless them. You know, God's judgment comes in the sense, I believe anyway, that he was, draws his hand of protection and they were taken away captive. Sorry. And when we look at the day, no one can deny that as a nation, we have turned our backs on God. Evil truly is seen as good and good is seen as evil. You know, folks, I've given up watching the news, it just disgusts me. And these breakfast programs are worse. The promotion of everything that is sick and everything that is evil. And someone comes on and tries to talk about good things and about God, they're just shouted down. Governments throughout the world, and this is my opinion, have become so corrupted, we don't know who to believe. Isn't that sad that we don't know who we can believe. The media has been taken over by what they call the woke generation. And if you go back and listen to the sermon I preached on Gramsci and cultural communism, it's just happening in our land. Happening in our land. Children are being taught things that they shouldn't be taught and not being taught things that they should be taught. Just seen a video of a drag queen with a thong on, dancing in a primary school. And yet they don't want you to go in with the Bible because you will harm their minds. It's sick, and I don't care who that offends. It is absolutely sick. And I just hope and pray that not one of these drag queens tries to walk into the toilet with my daughter's or grandchildren in there because he's going to be getting hospital food if he does. You see, there's false prophets today, and this is the sadder thing. And they're preaching prosperity. And they're not condemning what God condemns. They're not condemning what God condemns. They're promoting what God condemns. And they're telling people that, you know, the land's going to be fine. The land is in sin. Way back in our starting days, James Versailles apparently said, if God doesn't judge this generation, you'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment will come. And note, I said that we are are condemning what they're doing and what they're saying. We're not condemning men. We're praying for them. Praying for these people who have gone astray and who've listened to the things of the world and have been dragged along like the shaft when the winnowing fork tosses the wheat into the air and the shaft blows away with every wind. And this is what's happening in society. Just as it was in Jeremiah's day, We are bringing judgment upon ourselves as a nation. But church, I want to remind you of Jeremiah 29 and 11. Because it still applies to the church today. The body of Christ will prosper. No matter where we are, no matter what situation we're in, Jesus won't condemn his people for what other people are doing. We may, I can't see Britain getting into captivity, but if we did, it's not our doing and God will look after us. You know, I love that Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. I, I believe Peter speaks of this too. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God is watching over us. Remember that song? He's watching, God is watching us from a distance. He's not watching us from a distance, church. He's beside us. It's a lovely song, but I'm afraid the words are up the left. From a distance, God is watching us. No, he is not. You know, it's it's said that when Jerusalem fell, finally, and the Romans leveled it to the ground, a word of prophecy came to the New Testament church, telling them to flee Jerusalem. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, He said that none of the church were killed or injured as they had all listened to the warning from God, but everyone else who remained perished. And I'm sure back then there was false prophets contradicting this word for the Lord. As the New Testament, whoever the the prophet or messenger was in the church at that time, no doubt they were criticized and they were hated because he was saying something they didn't want to hear. God was going to destroy Jerusalem. They thought Jerusalem was going to remain forever and the Messiah was going to come back and rule and reign from this third temple that they're still trying to build for whatever reason they're trying to build it. They would have claimed that God wouldn't desert them, wouldn't let their enemies prosper, would bring judgment, just like he brought judgment on the Babylonians, he'd bring judgment on the Romans, and he did. But just like Jeremiah's day, the people were reaping what they had sown. Judgment was coming upon them. And society today will bring God's judgment, but the body of Christ will prosper. The body of Christ will prosper. The protecting hand of the Lord will keep them. He will cover us with his wings, church. As we stand for the things of God, as we refuse to adapt the ways of the world and stand for the things of God, stand on the promises of God, then God said he has planned for us to prosper Amen. and not to have an earlier quick end. You know, there's many as the musicians come back. I'm sure on social media already, the prophets of doom are on about this warning today. I read one that it's a government secret. Actually, we're going to get nuked. <laughs> well, you know something? The Bible says, lest those days be shortened, should all flesh be saved. So, we started the one, but Jesus won't let them because he's coming back for us. Amen. Amen? Certainly be concerned, church, but don't fear because God is in control and God's going to save his people. Thank you for listening tonight. Let's stand in his presence. And let's worship the Lord together.